0: This is the podcast for October 7th, 2011. It's not safe for work.
1: Recorded live from just outside Chris Matthews' political Barbie dream house, it's The Professional Left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal.
0: we got to talk about Chris Matthews.
1: In a, in a larger context. Well,
0: and, and I know this is it, what's weird is there is so much news going on right now. That this mm-hmm. Chris Matthews debate that he had earlier this week feels like it was six months ago to me. I know. I know. And it was this week. And yeah. we really, when we saw it, we really wanted to talk. Like, we have to podcast about this. And then Steve Jobs died. Sarah Pillen said she's not running. Chris Christie said he's not running. Marco Rubio said he doesn't want to be anybody's vice president. Go away and leave me alone. <laughs> And, you know, and then Obama had a press conference this morning, which I missed because I was at church doing church stuff. So um, I want to hear about that from you. But this thing that Chris Matthews did that was a bonus show for him was about how how should Obama run this time around? And, of course, there was a complete false dichotomy of should he run far left or should he run as a centrist? Like Clinton did,
1: just like Clinton, and it was <clears throat> that was the thing that stuck out. It was because the Chris Matthews hardball show, yep. which is a you know, it has really serious defects yeah, as a as a piece of journalism or a piece of media. Nonetheless, it, it is rerun every day.
0: Yes,
1: yes. Um, it runs once in the afternoon, once in the evening. It's the same show, but this time they pimped the hell out of this thing. It's a special debate over the the strategy that. You know, Barack Obama should use in the upcoming. And, it was, and they, he packed this thing with you know every everybody from Michael Moore to Mark Penn. God, Mark <laughs> Penn will never be unemployed. It, it's just it's it, <laughs> it's sad for me to realize no matter how how badly you fuck up and are Mark Penn, you'll always have a really good job. But that's the point. The point is, this was one of the most sort of naked examples, most most sort of transparent that the curtain goes back examples of chris matthews literally setting the terms of the debate by yelling at people and ordering them to say the words that he had put that in their mouth no no clarence say,
0: yes <clears throat> and it was this-
1: Clarence, you're supposed to take this position yeah. you're supposed to take that position and joan Poor walsh joan shut up walsh. i'll tell you what Poor to think
0: joan walsh i know what you're gonna say yeah. never mind why did yeah. he have her on
1: well, no. he invented and, uh, you know, actually our introduction, our introductory message was specifically for this reason. It's he set up his own little, you know, Barbie and Ken and Skipper dream house yep. and set up all these little dolls. And he was going to have them. Oh, no, no. Centrism is good. No, no. Liberalism is good. And in the end, he was going to come out with some large statement of piety and, not, and you know, to quote Reagan and to quote Reagan Tip O'Neill. And, Tip O'Neill and saying those. we
0: have to defeat the Republicans because they're bad. So let's yeah. be centrist about it.
1: But the idea – but he, he set up this wholly false debate, mm-hmm. and when he couldn't force people to adopt the ridiculous, you know, artificial postures that he had clearly told them that they're supposed to say when they're on his show, um, he got mad. <laughs> and he got – Well, he you know, shouted over and, them,
0: yeah, as yeah. he always does, and it was, yeah.
1: And so he had a bunch of, you know, a bunch of tackling dummies on there that he and, – and, and he – basically did what I, you said in our pregame, and I hope you don't mind me using this example, um, the middle child does.
0: Yes, my middle child, yes, yeah. the one in our house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is a director of all the plays that the children put on.
1: Down here. and, there's and She now writes them a rule. herself.
0: Yeah, there's now a rule in our house. That if she gets mad that someone hasn't done exactly what she wants them to, and they've messed it up, and she storms off. The play's over, and we never get another chance to do it, because she right. wants to be the, you know, temperamental director Orson. of the sh- of the she movie. She wants to be
1: Orson yeah. Welles. She wants, she wants to actually, no, that's not quite true. She wants to be Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. she storms off the set. <laughs> Right. And we finally said, "Okay, no do-overs because she would want to come back right. and, all right, I forgive you all for being failures. Now let's try mm-hmm. it again. Take 2." And we would we finally said, "No, we're not putting up with this drama from you anymore. If you want to put on a play, you're going to have to accept that some people have a different way of doing things, you know." Mm-hmm. And Chris mm-hmm. Matthews was pitching a hissy fit.
1: He was he was standing somewhere between David Mamet, who who famously you know would would, would say exactly what I said, and you, you know here are the breath yep, intervals yep. between the words I want you to use because it, it's it's supposed to sound a certain way. And Alfred Hitchcock, you know, you're going to dye your hair blonde, you're going to stand in this position, you're going to wear this dress, you're going to say my words because you're cattle. Right. Chris right. Matthews treated this this uh, lineup of guests during this debate exactly he that did. way. He did and when the and when they started lowing and mooing and stomping around and kicking at the walls of the paddock he got very upset yep. and but this, but this, this is that, a know,
0: distillation I, of all that is wrong with corporate media yeah. coverage of elections which is well, a it's about the general, process yeah. it's only about the process and not about what it might do to people's lives we're just going to talk about process here and history you know and, and which historical president should obama run like right. which means he's just this you know, Lego figure in history that mm-hmm. we're going to plug in and he's got to be like Roosevelt or like Clinton or like Truman or like somebody else and then he'll win.
1: That we can talk about. He, can talk about he has to be like one of the historical characters in our Barbie yep. Dreamhouse that we can then talk yep. about.
0: And mm-hmm. not talking about real people and real lives and real pain that people are going through in this economy. And huh. so it, it becomes, like you say, he has then given himself permission to throw a fit if people don't further his narrative, his fantasy. Mm-hmm. And remember he wrote a book about how to run your life like it's a political campaign, and John Stewart yeah. just slammed it like, this isn't what life is like. But he's got, <laughs> we've talked about Obama having Asperger's, Chris Matthews. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. people are not people. They're... Yeah. objects for me to move they're, around and
1: they're chess yeah, pieces. Yeah. They're are pieces of chess on a political board for him to move around. And Chris Matthews' fatal flaw in here was to include actual human yes, beings. Yes. Whereas people like Tom Friedman don't even bother with fellow with other carbon-based yep, life yep. forms. He just invents a completely fake country and a completely fake movement and a completely fake independent bloc who will follow his movement. Yeah, yeah. And then writes sadly about how both sides really this no side and and that's the thing that you know first of all you you, he is the one man play i mean he he invents this he and david brooks and let's face it michael bloomberg uh and the people that fund them the 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 Dope. Who runs Starbucks? Um, the the Mark McKinnon who runs the No Labels movement. They have, and I forget who said this. They have branded yep. centrism. They have branded mm-hmm. third party. That's their thing, and they they're pouring just an ungodly amount of money into this idea that the only thing that will save their perfect Davos capitalist future is this third party grand bargain thing. And the only way to justify having a third party is to is to continue to state categorically that the right and the left are exactly equally wrong about everything. And the only way to do anything is to move to the center. And what has stopped being interesting is the fact that, for example, Tom Friedman is a horrible writer. I mean, really. He just is, is one of the f- worst fucking writers out there. And the other thing that's not interesting anymore is that he's a liar. That's the thing. Tom Friedman's yep. just – He's just he, he lies badly. He, the thing that's fascinating is that he tells, and I'm, now I don't want to pick on Friedman because he's just one of many, many no, very, no, very, 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 to very... I think pick on Tom pres-
0: Friedman again because he was everywhere this week. He was. Again. He, he was on Morning Joe. He was on, and he's pushing this stupid book that has these five really good ideas in it about rebuilding infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera, and nothing mm-hmm. about tax structure. Remodifying yeah. tax structure to pay for all of this. Because when you start yeah. talking about that and start really making it about income inequity, that's when he goes full meta, oh, oh yeah. I'm going to talk about campaign finance in the Supreme Court. I'm not going to talk about real people doing real things because mm-hmm. that gets messy for me.
1: Right. That interferes with my thing. Yeah. And my thing is. You were going
0: to talk about Davos. Th- and And what was the thing from Davos from 30 years ago?
1: Oh, yeah, there, there's a, a sociologist that um, I, I, whose work I really enjoy, and actually my mom, my, my awesome hippie mom turned me on to Richard Sennett, S-E-N-N-E-T-T, and he wrote um, The Corrosion of Character and The Hidden Injuries of Class, and he does these wonderful case studies about the changes between, let's say, the 60s and the 70s and work, 50s, 60s, and 70s, and now, 90, 1990s, and so forth. and Sort of, and with a really sweeping historical context about how work defines people, how the nobility of labor has come to be the inverse of that, and a whole bunch of really cool stuff, and a bunch of great historical references that I can highly recommend. But he was—he went to one of the early, early Davos, the World Economic Forums, where all the you know the investment bankers and Bill Gates and people like that would go. Where Tom Friedman
0: is a fixture, and David Brooks is a fixture, and lots of people are a fixture now. These
1: and these are—this is a mountain retreat for the plutocracy that run the planet to talk about how they're going to build you know their their giant global Barbie dream house mm-hmm. for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the global gated community full of you know creative destruction and creative capitalism and globalization that has always given Tom Friedman a massive heart on because Tom Friedman is a billionaire. Richard Sennett went to Davos and interviewed interviewed these people and, and you know they're all aglow with this you know vision of the future about people taking massive risks and people doing amazing things and you know the bright, beautiful future that was in front of you if you started off with billions of dollars in your pocket, and if you started off with a highly dense social network so that if you fucked up, your bank of friends would just come and prop you back up again. Um, sort of like what happened with TARP. And his question to um, the people he was talking to was, what about essentially the Occupy Wall Street people? What about before there was anything like that? What about the 99% right. of everybody else who might not want to, to be forced into a world where they are required to risk everything every time? And if they fail, they're fucked because mm-hmm. you've taken away their social, net, their social uh, safety net. You've taken away Medicare, Medicaid. You've thrown everything into the stock market because that's the great good future. What about those people? And the term that the Davos billionaire capitalists had for those people, meaning the 99% of the rest of humanity, was, I kid you not, the left behind. And their, their attitude was, they're not our problem. And that is completely Tom Friedman's attitude. He has invented this completely fictional vision of the future. And the only way his vision of the future is horribly written and horribly articulated and incompetently thought out vision of the future uh, is promoted is because his fellow billionaires love it yep. and and are willing to put money behind pimping this god awful, horrible vision of the future. The problem is that it's he Freeman is as wrong about his vision of America as he was wrong about Iraq. Mm-hmm. The difference is. There's no inconvenient reality on the ground, like an insurgency, that's ever going to pop up and make him look like the fool he is. The, the vision he's promoting is completely within a contained media world where you and I are absolutely not allowed to go and say our piece.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So he can sit there, you know, column after column after column, promoting exactly the same demonstrably false critique of American culture. And his clout is such that he goes on the Lawrence O'Donnell show, and Lawrence doesn't say a fucking mm-hmm. word. Goes on the John Stewart show, John Stewart doesn't say a fucking word, doesn't even mention it. Because this guy has a shitload of money behind him. He has Schulzberg money behind him, that's the New York Times. He has Bloomberg money behind him, and that's Mayor Bloomberg, the media mogul. And this is a cabal mm-hmm. of very rich people who have a very specific plutocratic vision based on the fact that both parties must be destroyed. And they must rule directly as a benign plutocratic.
0: Yeah, the benevolent dictators of the marketplace yeah. are, are who is going to run things, and that's what occupy Wall Street.
1: Is and it doesn't survive even the, even cursory scrutiny. Yeah, yeah. If you you match up what Tom Friedman says the center should look like yeah. with what Barack Obama says every day, yeah. they're virtually identical. Yeah. And he can, and and because that would mean oh I have to admit that the left whatever Barack Obama is this week you know the the not the people who are not on the right are right and the people who are on the right are wrong and that blows his whole fucking brand then he becomes new Coke and and, right. and nobody wants to touch well, it
0: and I want to I want to go back to what you just said too about how it it is a contained system mm-hmm. because Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan this morning said that mm-hmm. Barack Obama didn't understand that Bank of America has a right to make a profit. Yeah. and Talk yeah. about self-containment, that there's no mention not only of the bailout, mm-hmm. but no mention of deregulation of the banking industry <laughs> to the point <laughs> that they could make obscene profits for a decade right. and monopolize the banking industry through mergers mm-hmm. with no oversight. So there's mm-hmm. there's just this contained system of bland denial of no, we have a right to make a profit, and wow, little old well, Bank of America is is being stopped upon in some way.
1: Well, and he was asked that question this morning at the at the press yeah, conference. Yeah. Barack Obama was asked the question about, I understand, you know, basically you don't want. Um, you know, you, you you say we can stop you, and he says, no, no. It's, I think it's great to make a profit. I, I'm I'm completely in favor of of prosperous businesses making a profit. That's who we are. That's a great system. However, what I what I am against is essentially lawlessness, a complete lack of regulation. That that you know, you, you wiped out all of the rules. And then you f- – and he, of course, didn't say this, but I will. And then you fucking looted the place. And then when you broke the global economy, you turned to the same people you've been fucking over and expect them to bail you yep. out. And when we did bail you out, you went right back to fucking those people over a third yep. time.
0: Yep.
1: And when we said you couldn't rip them off on the credit card side, you said, fine. We'll rip them all, all, all off on the debit card side. Right. That The idea that that is grotesquely immoral doesn't occur the president of Bank of America because if you're in that position in that industry running that you are you don't have you a have sense to, of morality.
0: You have to be an immoral son of a bitch. Yeah. yeah. That's your job. You're you're a
1: prophet. Yeah. Yeah. And your job is to is to be a shark. Yeah. Is to eat and eat and eat and eat everything in your fucking path yeah. until you die. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And and you don't think about the consequences of anything. It's the job of government to constrain. To stop you. you
0: Yes, exactly. That's, it is the job of mm-hmm. government to tell you no. And right. limit that shark-eating capacity. Mm-hmm. And we and have to get back of-
1: to the voters here, too. Yes, yes, we do. We really do. And
0: what, what their complicity in this is of being mm-hmm. distracted by abortion or distracted by uh, Sharia law or yeah. whatever it is today that Fox News is going to distract them into believing you know, oh, pot smoking hippies are going to come and create a fascist state. <laughs> That's going to take away your Medicare. Those hippies out in New York or you know, uh the Onion had a headline nervous American voters worried about botching another election and I just looked at and <laughs> laughed, but I thought no they're not. They're no. Fox News voters no. are not worried about botching another election at all because they're mm-hmm. stuck in 2009,
1: right? They're stuck. They're was stuck a-
0: at the moment that the black man put his <laughs> hand on the Bible, the black Democrat, because apparently Herman Cain is all right with me. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's man. fine
1: because he'll. Yeah. This is something
0: yeah. that just gets me that a an African American businessman who is promoting the 999 plan, which will increase taxes on lots and lots of seniors will be paying mm-hmm. massive amounts of taxes that they're not paying now under this uh-huh. what I call the Mind Mind Mine plan. <laughs> you know, it's like lowering that. corporate tax rates to nine percent and having a nine percent net across the board sales tax. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the most regressive thing you've ever heard of in your life. Yeah. And Herman Cain, yep. no, he's common sense conservative. Don't you understand? And mm-hmm. and the fact that he can make it th- three numbers <laughs> He didn't make it the six six yeah. six plan because that would be bad. <laughs> Why don't we lower that to six percent, Herman?
1: <laughs> yeah, Herman. You know, and and but and Herman Cain knows the game he he's playing in the ballpark. He's yes, in. He does. Yeah. You know, he knows very well. And and uh, I don't know if you ever saw. I think I probably forced you to see, or, or we watched at some point together because that's what loving couples that's what do. We do. Um, the Fox News documentary out yes, Fox. I watched that. Mm-hmm. And the, there was – I think there was a, a part in there where where they said – and these were a lot of former Fox employees who just ratted the place out and said, yeah, yeah, we got memos every morning. This is how you're going to report. Yep. This is the political party line we're going to take. And now that is sort of – everyone knows yep. that. It was a big scandal at the time yeah. that people were saying, yes, every horrible thing you think about Fox, every lawless um, right-wing – Fantasy you've ever had about this being a, just a total propaganda tool for a fascist core at the heart of the GOP is absolutely true, and here's the proof. Now everybody just accepts that. Well, yeah, you know, Fox is a fascist, but what are you going to do? Uh, but there was a portion in there that talked about, you know, the, the transition between Clinton and Bush, and they said, you know, rarely have you seen. And this is a, this is a, this is a Soviet term. Uh, rarely have you seen such a complete party line change happen right before your eyes as on uh, you know on one morning you know the the executive branch needed complete thorough vicious constant scrutiny because you can't trust Washington with power you know power is just you know, those people in Washington especially the 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 office of the president and blah blah they had they had spent years bashing Clinton and so forth And then George Bush becomes president, and suddenly it's, now everybody shut the fuck up and do whatever this man says because he's a great, good Christian. And just if you criticize him, you're a traitor. And it happened literally overnight. The entire Fox News ethos changed from we have to hold the executive branch to the highest possible standard. And even remember, remember this phrase, even the suspicion, even the appearance of impropriety should be enough to trigger a hearing. Yeah, in in a 24-hour period, it went to now everybody shut the fuck up because Stalin's in charge yeah, now, and no, everybody just sit down and do you what we want. Yeah, you're a traitor. question the
0: president, yeah, you're a traitor and anti-un American. Yep,
1: and and that is that is Fox's great evil trick, and that's entirely based. Oh, and on... And that's what the they're vote. doing with Occupy Wall
0: Street too, versus the Tea Party. Absolutely. You know,
1: the, no, yep. and I loved how oh, John Stewart. Ahead.
0: You know, uh, Wednesday night, John Stewart had a thing on about. These are real Americans on the streets of New York, just like the Tea Party. But that's not how Fox is going to frame it. No. According to Fox, he these are not real Americans. Yeah, he did.
1: He then took video back to Hannity of Sean fucking Hannity again. If you, you know, <laughs> this is why Americans I, they don't give Americans me access who are them.
0: genuinely concerned and don't want to pay for this bailout, you know, mm-hmm. recognize that this is. Uh, their right to speak out, and, just, and then John Stewart applauded. Oh wait, that was two thousand nine. Yeah,
1: they're, they're just taking the streets out of out of righteous American, good, patriotic, democratic indignation yes, yes, yes. over what's happening to their country. This is this is democracy at its best. Yep. And like, wow, that's great. You know, that's that's wonderful. They, oh wait a minute, yes. yes, I'm being told that was from the Tea Party right, rallies. Right. Hey, let's see what the same person has to say about
0: they're un-American. Occupy.
1: These un-American hippies out there they in the hate street, free, you know, free
0: markets. They hate capitalism and they hate America. So moving on. You know what,
1: <laughs> and and Herman Cain has gone so far as to say today, or yesterday or today,
0: get a job. I think he said get a job. That, um,
1: get a job. <laughs> no, he, he said he said I have no facts to prove this, but I hear that this whole movement is designed to essentially um, promote Barack Obama's agenda and attack Republicans or something like that. Oh. This is a a giant Democratic Party trick.
0: Yeah, sure, sure.
1: Now, I have no facts at all to prove this, but as a private business person and a billionaire, fuck it, I don't need facts. I have yes men to tell me I'm the smartest person in the Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. And speaking of Mitt Romney, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I wanted to get into my one science fiction reference this week.
0: Because people have to take a drink.
1: I know this is this is a book that Philip K. Dick never finished. Okay, but it was called radio. It was called Radio Free Alabamus, hmm. and it was a, it was an okay story, but it was a fictional Richard Nixon. Um,
0: Love our fictional Richard Nixons.
1: Yeah, it wasn't called Richard Nixon, but Richard Nixon was, according to this, you know, paranoid alternate American history, was the first communist president of the United States, because his mother was a Quaker and a secret communist, uh-huh. and Are we she all? you know, and she made it. <laughs> Well, yeah, and she made him join the party when he was a he was a child, and his entire adult life was first attack the Communist Party to get in good graces with the Republicans, and then as president sell the country out to the Communists. But there's this moment in this fictional history of fictional Richard Nixon, who isn't called Richard Nixon, but you know who it is, um, who's completely out of politics, and has been humiliated and destroyed and cast out, and has no political future. You can't, you, you don't have him to kick around anymore. And he asks a friend of his, you know, what do I have to do to win the presidency? And his friend jokingly says, well, basically, you have to kill everyone else who's running for president between you and the White House. Mm. And then Philip Dick says, and then, of course, Martin Luther King is killed and Kennedy is killed and the other Kennedy is killed. And minor characters like the head of the Nazi party is killed. Basically, every leader of every other political movement except Richard Nixon is assassinated over a six-year period or an eight-year period, and leaving the field free for Richard Nixon to become president, and it, it feels like that with Romney. It's the only way Mitt Romney is going to get in the White House if, is if every other Republican is
0: destroyed or runs away, implodes, yeah.
1: falls apart. Yeah. You know, because his party hates him so they much.
0: And, <laughs> and actually, so I have an unfunny riddle for you, Drew Glass.
1: Okay, all right.
0: When is it time for you as a Republican presidential candidate to pull out of the race?
1: Oh, I don't know. If Blue Girl When wins. you're
0: running nine points behind Newt Gingrich in the polls. <laughs> 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 Which Michelle Bachman is.
1: Yeah. And by the way, of yeah.
0: course, everyone probably who is listening to me has heard this, but the winner mm-hmm. of the Internet this week has to be the bad lipped Lib- dub people.
1: Bad uh, lip reader. Bad lip, lip reading. reading.
0: The bad yeah. lip reading, it's the lip dub place that did the Michelle Bachman. The Hispanic Piranha Prom had one Jew person. <laughs> and I want everyone to know that I am the supersizing, spirit crushing femme. That Michelle Bachman is talking about in that video. So,
1: yes, it was her. I am the Walrus. Yes, you know, and, it really and was. and she will
0: never break a tree root up in my shrimp. I swear.
1: She can't do it. She doesn't have the she power to do that. She doesn't have the do
0: power that. to do that. So, uh
1: huh. Yeah, i mama, mama yes, Mama's indeed. gonna get her what what? Yes, Mama's gonna get
0: her what what? It's very funny. Go. It said open thread la- uh, Wednesday night. It was at Open Thread at Crooks and Liars and. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta see it if you haven't seen it. But she definitely won the internet this week. And, uh, and
1: if those guys are taking suggestions. I would, I would strongly, I would ask you, on bended knee, please do, please do Sarah Palin's farewell to the troops speech. Yes, please. You won't have Sarah Palin to kick around Not anymore. Much, speech. Well, Family. as
0: long as Greta Van Susteren has any voice at Fox News, I think you know the lesbian crush that she has on Sarah Palin will.
1: Yes. You know cause her to you have a place. Man- in, uh, <sighs> Many women at a certain point in their life decide they need a change in their, you know, sexual outlook. And,
0: and we'd like I'm you saying, to do that, Sarah. If you need a place no to knows, land, I'm right here.
1: <laughs> no one knows how to please a woman like another woman, Sarah. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. That's all I'm saying, Sarah. Well, can we you know. talk
0: for just a minute? We're going to we're going to run this clock down, but I just want to talk for a minute about the flip side of Chris Matthews getting back to that. And how Obama really should run for president. (laughs) Looking at what Ezra Klein said about why he started to cover the Occupy Wall Street people, and it was Uh this Tumblr blog called We Are the 99%. I swear that is why my blood pressure was elevated last week, was looking at that Tumblr blog. It is so Uh tragic to see individuals handwriting on notebook paper what their economic situation is and then writing We Mm -hmm. Are the 99%. It is so depressing, and it is so heart-rendering. And... Yeah, Ezra Klein was right to say, this is what pushed me over the edge to say, yeah, this story is worth telling. And this is something that is such an anathema to the talking heads in corporate media to try to talk about real people and real suffering, because that doesn't drive ratings people don't want to talk about. People want to hear that when they turn on their TV. So we're going to talk about, oh, is Chris Chris, Christie really mean it when he says he's not going to run? Does he really? You know, we're going to we're just going to cover the horse race over and over and over again and not ask questions like, hey, Rick Perry, why so much goddamn violence in your state? You Mm -hmm. know, why are people getting killed in your state? Not, oh, no, we're going to talk about the death penalty (laughs) getting cheered. We'll talk about that because that's sort of just the the horse race part of it. But never Mm -hmm. go beneath the surface.
1: Well, and that's what we talked about during our our pregame a little bit. I am always going to be a little bit (laughs) suspicious. (laughs) Not suspicious, but um, I think last week we made our – I, at least I made my impressions of Occupy Wall Street clear, which was: I appreciate the passion, I appreciate the effort. I am concerned that it's going in this direction. Um, it, I, I don't. Here's what I don't want to have happen. Here's here's what I fear might happen. Um, I'm an old fart, um, but I appreciate their passion and I do appreciate their intentions. So it was it was. Eh, yeah. uh ah, eh, ah. It was it was in that range there. Um, it, it, it oscillated back and forth between those two things there, but what, what it does represent, which I think is it, it, you have these moments every now and then, and this didn't occur you know, out of nowhere. People took to the streets and stayed on the streets, and they deserve all the credit in the world for doing that, and they're being joined by labor unions and by teachers and by cops all over the country. Mm-hmm in various cities all over the country. And everyone who, who's going out there to do that deserves credit for doing that. And they're getting, it appears, focused. Here's what they want, <laughs> which is terrific. What it represents is a glitch in the matrix. Yep, um, yep. The, the mainstream media has no vocabulary to talk about real people and their real pain. They have absolutely no capacity to deal with that. Um, because when you start talking about that, suddenly all of this idiotic game-playing at the Tom Friedman level, looks so fucking hollow, yep. and so and inhuman, so cruel. and so and so cruel. Yes. yes, yeah, and it really because it is not because <laughs> of a lack of impression, but because underneath all of that horror, underneath all of that, um, um, all of their posturing is the horror of what's happening in this country. They don't want to talk about, it. so you get you know flatly affected people like David Brooks who won't talk about it, and you get, and they're protected from talking about it by their position, by their power, and by the people who pay their salaries who also don't want to talk about mm-hmm. it. But then you get this breakthrough that happens where the genuine tragedies that are happening every day to people we know that you know have visited our door um, are suddenly breaking through. Yep. And this isn't one or two lazy people. These are millions and millions of people who played by the rules, worked really hard, And then a bunch of very, very rich people who were all friends of Tom Friedman, or at least in his social class, decided they would play um, roulette with with the global global economy.
0: economy. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Because that's what Davos told them to do. It said, you know, take risks, take crazy risks, fuck it, take all the risks you want, because that's what the future looks like. So they put the entire global economy on the roulette wheel and broke it. And the results are that millions of people who've worked really hard now have nothing yeah. and have lost their houses and have lost their health care and have lost their college education and are fucked. Mm-hmm. And the idea that nobody is being strung up in the streets of America over this is a testament to the civility of the left, yep. because any other country where the ruling class had fucked this, their country up so badly, we'd be rolling the guillotines out right now. Yep. And we don't do that. What we do is we protest, we write our congressmen. And we pray to God that the political process is so destroyed that we have to start resorting to more extreme means. I, I know I do.
0: But, but the other thing we have to do, it turns out, is a battle of the media as well, because they're yep. part of the problem, and they are, you know, they found they found a way that the oligarchy found a way to deal with it, which is to take over the newspapers and take over the media yeah. and and mm-hmm. let them be bought into the millionaire and billionaire yeah. uh, world. So if you're part of that, then of course you're going to not say anything when it comes to actual suffering and whose fault it is. And we kind of have to end it there, but that's – if the more that any Democrat runs on the stories of real people and mm-hmm. the plight of real people, like you said, it's, it's a wrench in the matrix. It's going to uh, upset – Chris Matthews isn't going to have anything to say about that except as it is a decision and a process. Oh look, he's talking about real people. Is that going to work politically for him? <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Well that how will that affect, you know, the the, the congressional race in Dustin So yeah, District? Right, right. That's because he doesn't his brain doesn't function any other yep. way than that. He doesn't know how to think about problems beyond.
0: But that is a the sickness. Political process. And that is a sickness that yeah. the media has. And we mm-hmm. have to call them out on it. It's, it's like alcoholism or any other kind of intervention. We have to stage an intervention. And mm-hmm. the way you do that, thank you, Steve Jobs, may you rest in peace, <laughs> is with cameras and phones mm-hmm. and taking those pictures and bearing witness and taking a picture of mm-hmm. yourself with your notebook pad and, and posting it on the Tumblr blog and, and making sure your story gets out there. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what we're doing with this, this little thing we call the Professional Left Podcast, class. Mm-hmm. We have a website.
1: <laughs> we do. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Steve Jobs.
0: Thank you, Steve Jobs.
1: <laughs>
0: we have a website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can listen to past episodes for free with no download and no registration. We love our listeners. We love all of you. Thank you to everyone who's written and emailed us and sent us snail mail letters, anticipating or congratulating us on what will be our 100th episode on November 4th. And mm-hmm. uh, we also noticed that around that time, our friend Susie Bright is having her 500th episode of her show. So congratulations, Susie. We're catching Susie. up, we're, we're catching well, up we're to gonna you, Susie. We're going to catch up to you, Susie. So there, nah, yeah. nah, nah,
1: Don't look back. <laughs> and by the way, she has a wonderful post up on the influence the Mac computer. Oh, the original Apple Macintosh had on on, on, <laughs> oh, on, well, no, on, on on our backs.
0: oh on our backs. oh okay her magazine yeah yeah cuz originally it was it's all magazine on our back yeah it was
1: yeah well it, it was a lesbian sex and erotica and issue mm-hmm. magazine mm-hmm. that really changed you know changed the entire vocabulary yeah. yeah and changed the way people talked about things but before Steve Jobs they were doing this all by physically cutting out pieces of paper and razoring and waxing and pasting up. Oh, wow. And then one day their um, person, the, the the person came in with this little thing in a box, this little white, beautiful thing that, that she said looked like it should be on the runway in Milan.
0: Yeah, and, and it could and be a page layout. Exactly. So made and and
1: the rest yeah. of that, you'll have to go over to Susie Bright's blog and read. But it's she's a great writer, and it's a wonderful confluence of technology society and sex and you know who doesn't love that oh, shit? yeah so
0: dang we're on facebook and we just noticed our numbers on facebook like one-third of our listeners are exposed to the podcast via facebook and we're very grateful to you thank you uh you can like our page on facebook which is linked at our website and you can also friend me francis langham on facebook and i'll be happy to friend you back we're on iTunes. We love our iTunes listeners, and a special shout out to our Crooks and Liars listeners and our Netroots Nation Radio listeners. We're glad to have you guys here with us. Uh, our podcast is run at Crooks and Liars Saturday night at Open Thread, and on Sunday nights at Netroots Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Our 100th episode is coming up. Thank you again to those of you who've written in at our email address, which is proleftpodcast at gmail.com, or our snail mail address, which is P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. And if you have any ideas for our 100th episode, we've had a couple suggestions. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you want to hear about for our 100th episode. We will not be doing a best of the podcast because you can just listen to all our past episodes. <laughs> yeah. You can listen to all 100 some, of them, as some people have we, done.
1: <laughs> what we have noticed is that that people enter at the, you know, this is like each one teach one. Yeah. You know, people are telling their friends about this. And we get a lot of feedback from a friend of mine said, a friend of mine emailed me. And it started episode 90 or 89 or 85. And they said, I've listened to the last 50 episodes. Yeah. yeah while i was painting my house we got i that letter. Episodes. yeah
0: yeah someone was painting their house wow. and listened to just put it on and listen to 100 episodes wow <laughs> we're glad wow. i mean we try to keep this uh, timely and timeless but uh, we're really grateful to have the opportunity to present all 100 episodes online and
1: lugal we are the non-terminating non-repeating decimal <laughs> of podcast
0: everybody take a drink all right <laughs> take
1: a drink <laughs> Yes. Uh, if yes. you like
0: our podcast, we would appreciate a contribution towards its costs and defraying its costs. Mm-hmm. You can make a contribution to our podcast at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, or send a check mm-hmm. to our P.O. Box, which, again, is P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. And, uh, Drift Class, you're also having a fundraiser at your blog this week.
1: I I wanted to take executive privilege here, yeah. P.O. Gal, and, you know, <laughs> Like 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 my president does, I would like to abuse my executive authority here and mention that yes, I am in fact conducting my own um, fundraiser over the next several days. And you, all you have to do is go over to driftclass.blogspot.com and there's a PayPal button on the right side of the page. And there's a I'm sticking a PayPal button under each of the posts for fundraising. Um, and if you don't, uh, if you're not comfortable doing that, just send a check to exactly the same send
0: it to the podcast, uh, PO box. Yeah. The podcast has and, a bank uh, account. Driftglass, the blog mm-hmm. does not have a bank account yet.
1: But the no, podcast. But if you if you if you only if you're only comfortable doing snail mail, just write a check and put a note that this is for Driftglass Drift fundraiser, fundraiser. That's fine.
0: I'll make sure he gets it. I know where he lives. He lives here now. Yes. Yay!
1: <laughs> yes. and,
0: and may I say, yes, my I my daughter, the middle child that we were talking about earlier, said yesterday that there are no ordinary days because you're living in our house now.
1: So that was really sweet. Yes yeah well, it's it's a it's a pretty sweet life. Right. it's uh, yeah. economically terrifying, it but
0: we'll, we'll, spiritually we'll and emotionally this
1: weekend
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's looking for a job, people.
1: So look out your next Walmart greeter in the Springfield area could be it
0: could be the stealth. Could be me. <laughs> what did Pammy Atlas call Christiane Amanpur a stealth jihadist? Yeah. The stealth oh, uh, no, Jihadist. Oh, no not yes,
1: yeah. Yeah. Stealth jihadist. The
0: stealth Jihadist, drift glass.
1: Pammy Atlas has a book. Oh yeah. And the, my first question was to, to Blue Gal was who the fuck paid her to write a book? And the answer was uh,
0: World Net Daily.
1: Of course they did.
0: <laughs> because it was too hot for <laughs> like Regnery that. Press, as you said.
1: Yeah, it was too hot. <laughs> it was too hot for Regnery Press. It ripped the it ripped, ripped the lid off
0: of conservative publishing forever. Yeah, with its
1: yeah. T- It tells the truth that Regnery won't well, touch.
0: Well, and apparently she decided to update it for today's modern conservative by including lots of Anne Rand quotes. Yeah. yeah. I wonder. I yeah. wonder if there is a John Bolton centerfold in the middle of that book too. There's
1: <laughs> just a big mustache in the middle of it for.
0: I don't want to for talk must- about that anymore.
1: <laughs> Mustache rides go to, pitch 130. <laughs> go to page one
0: thirty. jeez! Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I was not going to go there. The other thing I want to say about contributions is our goal for the podcast is that one percent of our listeners will give five dollars to the podcast every week, and uh, we sort of met our goal last week. Uh, thank you very much. If you are someone who has not contributed in the past and you look forward to this podcast every week. We really would appreciate a $5 contribution. If you write us at our email address or P.O. Box, we love hearing from you on any issue. Be aware that if you write us at that address or at the snail mail address, we reserve the right to read your email or letter on the air unless you say otherwise.
1: And we read everything.
0: We do. Oh, we read your letters and love them.
1: Yeah. So, Blue Gal, how the heck are the Internet Kitties doing this week?
0: The Internet Kitties are finally endorsing Michelle Bachman for bringing milk, not backyard meth, to the prison party.
1: Let's think about living Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving of
0: the Let's forget about the whine and the crying, the shooting and the dying and the fellow with the switchblade knife.
1: Let's think about living. Let's think about
0: life. This podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2011. Drift Glass Blue Gal
1: Podcast. One of these days, baby, we're going to get a voice generator machine. <laughs> no, we're not. Just <laughs> <laughs> spit these golden golden poops of wisdom out, and uh, and we won't have to record this live at all. We can just lay in bed and eat bonbons and drink Chardonnay like all liberals do.
0: Oh, yeah, right.